Hi, I'm Kenneth, and this is the Unspeakable Vice podcast, where we talk about talking about sex. Sex is a dirty word, a taboo, something that just isn't talked about. We're going to dig into why. So this is our first real episode, which makes it pretty special, but it's also special for another reason. Uh, in Michigan, we have a primary election coming up in a couple weeks on August 4th, and uh, this is an especially interesting election because the uh, seat for the Washtenaw County prosecutor is open, and we've got some really interesting candidates. Um, but I wanted to take an opportunity here to talk a little bit about the intersection between how we talk about sex and prosecution. There's actually a big overlap there. Uh, there are laws that make certain sexual behaviors illegal, of course, uh, and there are also laws that make even talking about sex illegal in some cases. We'll save that discussion for another episode. Uh, before I start, though, I wanted to give a warning. Um, it's probably a good idea to give you a heads up about some of the content in this episode. Um, I hope it's already obvious that we're going to talk about sex and sexuality, but uh, today's topics get into a little more difficult territory uh, where we're going to talk about some situations involving sexual abuse, exploitation, and other criminal activity. Uh, so if this is something that might be difficult for you to hear, please take care of yourself as you need to. Um, and I promise I won't go, go into any details on these topics, but they will come up. All right, so let me start with some examples uh, that have to do with prosecution. After a quick internet search, I found an article called Are Prostitutes Lawbreakers or Trafficking Victims? Uh, this was from 2016. And in this story, a woman was in court because she failed to get a drug test, um, specifically, but more broadly, she was involved in prostitution, and that's how she uh, got there in the first place. She was fully expecting to go to jail because she knew she had committed multiple crimes, the drugs and the prostitution. But uh, something interesting happened involving a lawyer from the Human Trafficking Clinic at the University of Michigan Law School. This lawyer decided that the prostitute should not be looked at as a criminal, rather she was coerced or forced into the criminal behavior by her drug dealer who wanted to get paid for the drugs he had given her. So this is kind of a pro progressive position, isn't it? Uh, even though she broke the law by involving herself in prostitution, this lawyer and ultimately the court thought that she was actually a victim. Um, and this human trafficking clinic at the University of Michigan is actually pretty unique. Uh, at the time, it was the only such clinic in Michigan. I, I still am not aware of any others. And this court was apparently the only court that was looking at prostitution in this way. Um, it's actually kind of concerning because that means every other court is punishing prostitutes as criminals no matter what. Uh, but in addition to that, it's also concerning that the clinic seems to be looking for someone else to blame for this crime being committed. Uh, let me quote quickly from one of the lawyers involved, Elizabeth Campbell said, the most powerful message we can send is who we choose to prosecute. So the question is not whether to prosecute. We're not asking how should we respond to this activity. We're, we're not asking how severe it is, who was hurt, or to what extent. Um, and in this particular case, and, and pretty much when it comes to sex in the courts, period, uh, those questions are sort of glossed over, they're not even considered. Uh, it's like we're not allowed to ask. And there's an implicit decision that's already been made about how terrible and unacceptable prostitution is regardless of the circumstances. So let me explain what I'm saying here. So prostitution is a crime in Michigan, right? Uh, we could ask whether or not it should be, 
And that's a valid question, but that's not exactly what I'm getting at here. I'm interested in what is being said about sexuality through the way the clinic and the court respond to this case. So what is being communicated here about sex? There's an implicit understanding that this sex act is horrible. And it may be, I don't know the details, but we're not even allowed to ask that question. It's already been decided. The assumption is that nobody in their right mind, no respectable citizen, would trade sex for money. So anyone who does must either be a terrible criminal or a victim of a terrible criminal. So it's inconceivable that someone would reasonably choose to engage in this act. Um, so either they're a callous criminal themselves or they're forced into the act by someone else. There's another implication here. Someone must be prosecuted. Someone must be punished. If it's not the prostitute herself, then we must prosecute the drug dealer that was asking her to pay her bill. He must have forced her into it, right? Again, I don't know the details of this particular situation. Um, maybe the woman who was working as a prostitute actually was forced. But my point is simply that we are not invited to ask. Or maybe it doesn't even matter. Because sex is that scary. Sex is just something we can't interrogate because it is too horrible to tolerate. So let me go to another example. I thought I would compare what kinds of crimes are prosecuted uh, in Michigan under the label of human trafficking. And uh, this, well, actually, before I get to that, this label is already kind of interesting because um, people almost always equate it with sex. Human trafficking and its broad definition can refer to any situation where someone is taken and transported against their will. Usually it's associated with forced labor. Uh, but in practice, what makes it so scary and what, why people treat it so seriously is uh, because people almost universally assume uh, that we're talking about sex trafficking, that people are taken, kidnapped, and forced into some sort of sexual activity. Sometimes that's prostitution, sometimes it's uh, forced marriage, um, or it might be something else, but, uh, but that's usually the case. And then as a consequence, lawmakers and prosecutors assume that any sexual activity uh, that's criminal must be human trafficking. So it goes both ways, right? Human trafficking is assumed to be sexual, and therefore any sexual crime is put under the label of human trafficking. So this might even be the case in the example that we were talking about before, but um, she wasn't actually taken anywhere, so she wasn't, you know, wasn't kidnapped, uh, so in that sense, she wasn't technically trafficked. She was simply engaged in sex that happened to be criminal. Uh, so anyway, I started to search for other examples in Michigan of human trafficking, and at first I couldn't even find any. Uh, I actually thought I was doing something wrong with the database I was searching. But I finally realized there actually were none. There were actually no recent cases that the uh, uh, database claimed to cover from 2000 to 2020. Um, but and, and so unless the database is incomplete, uh, and I have to assume it is complete, the most recent case in Michigan was actually from 2014, six years ago. So um, anyway, so I found this case and it was actually a, a pretty serious case with a alleged kidnapping uh, and, and forcing those uh, kidnapped victims into prostitution. It was pretty serious, pretty bad, but uh, obviously this doesn't happen very often if there were no cases since 2014, and um, it was actually only about one a year on average up until then in the database. So I actually had to laugh a little when I read this particular quote from the attorney's press release. 
Uh, attorney Barbara McQuaid said, We hope that cases like this one will raise awareness that sex traffickers are exploiting victims in hotels and truck stops in our communities. So actually, there's probably something to be questioned about the fact that the attorney was even making press releases on a case they're working on. But never mind that. Uh, this attorney wants to raise awareness about a problem that I actually had a hard time finding when I was looking for it. Um, so what is actually being communicated here? Is, is the attorney actually trying to raise awareness? Or are they actually using hyperbole, exaggeration, to make the problem seem bigger, scarier, and more serious than it really is? Even though the press release is about one case with one person who committed a serious crime, the quotation claims sex traffickers, plural, are exploiting victims in multiple places in our communities. It sounds to me like this press release is designed to scare people. It's not intended to be factual and certainly not neutral. Uh, but of course, what do you expect? We're talking about sex. So of course it's scary, right? But this is why talking about sex and sexuality is so hard. Even the people who are supposed to be experts and, and uh, are supposed to be giving us the truth are actually giving us information that's deliberately misleading in order to make sex seem even scarier than it already is. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the seriousness of this crime uh, that was committed six years ago, but I would like to be able to have an open, honest conversation about it. But when we have prosecutors exaggerating the seriousness, using terms like human trafficking to refer to anything involving sex, it gets to be really hard to have a conversation at all. So the feds are not the only ones that prosecute crimes, right? So I also looked at state prosecutions related to human trafficking. Uh, so in addition to, to those, um, what did I say, 15 federal cases in Michigan, it turns out that uh, uh, there are some state cases as well. Um, Michigan actually only adopted laws that specifically refer to human trafficking in 2011. But since then, there were nine prosecutions that the state attorney general office uh, has up on their website. So I, I, I took a look at one of those at random, and it happened that uh, the person being prosecuted was actually working as a prostitute herself. Uh, but she was accused of running a prostitution ring, allegedly having taken money from uh, other people who were involved in prostitution. Um, in fact, looking at all nine of the cases in Michigan, at least four of them involved the crime of accepting money from a prostitute, and uh, two of the cases were actually charged against people who were prostitutes themselves. So some of the cases were actually quite serious and violent, but um, look at how they're all lumped together under the same category of human trafficking. Even the people who work as prostitutes themselves are considered guilty of human trafficking when they have financial ties to other people working as prostitutes. So we could ask whether uh, these specifics could be or should be illegal or not, right? In particular, I wonder if it makes sense to make it a crime to accept money from a prostitute. Uh, this is what happened in the first case we looked at, right? Where someone worked as a prostitute to pay her drug dealer. And so the drug dealer was guilty of human trafficking. Uh, the very same logic, though, could be applied to a landlord or a phone company or even the city that collects property taxes. They're all accepting money, and if the person they accept it from is working as a prostitute, I guess technically that means they all could be guilty of human trafficking. But beyond asking whether it should be illegal, let's consider the consequences here. 
Of course, not all these people are held criminally liable uh, as sex traffickers, and why not? Uh, because prosecutors have complete discretion over who to prosecute, uh, whether or not to file criminal charges. Prosecutors get to pick and choose who they charge uh, and what crimes to charge them with. So think about how dangerous this is, how much power this gives the prosecutor, especially when the laws are so broad and so vague and almost anyone could be charged. Uh, too often the prosecutors pick certain classes of people to go after. In the very first case we looked at, it happened to be a drug dealer, uh, someone who was deemed undesirable for reasons that had nothing to do with sex. In other cases, as we know all too well these days, uh, prosecutors tend to target people who are black or people who are not wealthy enough or people who are queer. Consequently, these communities, these communities are disproportionately impacted by the criminal justice system and they're disadvantaged even further. In effect, it basically becomes criminal to be black or to be poor or to be queer. In fact, in another state, there was a law against human trafficking that was passed and was actually applied exclusively to black trans women who worked as prostitutes. Let's hope that's not what the legislators had in mind when they strengthened the penalties against human trafficking. So you can see how important it is to have a prosecutor who stands for the right things, who works not only to keep us safe from crime, but also to keep us safe from the criminal justice system. One final thought. Another organization I work with, Friends of Restorative Justice, is working on a video series right now to explore an idea called restorative justice. These videos are designed to invite the question of how we should respond to crime. Some of the cases we talked about in this episode uh, are complicated, and it's not clear who was the victim and who was the perpetrator. Uh, there was harm, yes, but who should be blamed and who should be punished? Restorative justice asks the questions differently. What harm was done and how can it be healed? So if this idea interests you, I recommend you look at what they're doing. Um, by the way, all these links, uh, uh, references that I'm talking about are in the uh, transcript in the podcast notes. Uh, so in conclusion, this episode asked a lot of questions. What does the legal system say about sex? How do we re respond to crimes that involve sex? And how are important questions about sexual harm being silenced because of the way our criminal justice system operates? Now, for those of you in Washtenaw County, I encourage you to think about those questions as you cast your ballot for county prosecutor on August 4th. And wherever you are, if there is a primary election in your area, be sure to vote. Thanks for listening.